Well, let's welcome in our TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Dave Pullen. Great to chat with you, Dave. How are you? I'm very well. There's nothing like coming in halfway through a conversation when you have no idea what the topic is, and you hear your name, and then you, you know, and O's going to say, "I'm starting this off." I'm starting this off. Oh, yeah. like, Bully, okay. The question is, no idea. We have sat beside each other for a long time. I we consider have. us close friends. Absolutely. If you were running the Seattle Kraken, and I sent you an email that said. I would like to run the Coachella Valley farm team, but I don't want to put too much time and effort into it. (laughs) I would like to just live in Palm Springs and kind of make assessments. What would you say? Hired. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Hired. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you'd have to spend time there. I'd want you in Palm Springs. That's right, and I only want to go to the home games, and I'll give updates on players and how they're kind of maturing and getting along, and that's my gig. Would it's, you it's, it, would you go on the ice? Would you be an on-ice after-practice guy, or are you just eye-in-the-sky strictly? Well, the most important question is, what time is practice? Because I have a lot of other stuff going on well, that you, involves... Well, you're the boss. You're the boss. Yeah, like, that's right. Practice. The practice revolves around your tea time. So if you yeah. tee it off at like 7... Let's say a 4 p.m. afternoon practice schedule. <laughs> okay. There's no way. So, okay, so you're playing, you're no playing 36 holes, then you're getting to practice... No, that makes total sense to me, oh, because that's closer to game time. I don't know why guys practice in the morning and then play games at night. It doesn't make sense. Because guys will sleep in. They'll sleep in till noon, Pooley, don't you think? Oh, he's got a whole new program going. <laughs> I think at time. the end of the day, I'm going to look into that post-retirement when I leave TSN, which well, think, who knows when you know that what? will be. Coachella Valley would be, that would be just a nice place to hang out. You know, you get the mountains there, you get good temperature you i think you'd be great there Pooley, was that your like was that your schedule when you were the gm of the marlies obviously you you had a role with the leafs but you were running the marlies did you just kind of give certain assessments or were you a, a little more hands-on yeah i was a little more hands-on and, yeah. and oh would be too see he'd get there and he talks like you know it wouldn't be his focus but he'd get involved and i'd been beside him on the panel he gets into it and he'd be locked in It'd be just a temptation to get them out there. That would be good. You know your people. Yeah. I do. You got to know your guys. You got to know your guys. Uh, Should be a pretty good one tonight between the Bruins and the Oilers. Um, You know, this this Bruins team, uh, it's historic. Now, where do you put them in sort of the pantheon of great teams? Pierre brought up the, the Canadians of the 70s. We were also bringing up the Red Wings from the 90s and the early 2000s. Like... It, it, from what you're you're talking, or the people that you're talking to around the league, are they in that category before doing anything in the playoffs, or is there some hesitation because of I don't know if it's Allmark or I don't know if it's because there's so much parity? But to, wh- where do they rank at the moment? No, I don't think it, I don't think it's their goaltending. I don't think that's a point of conversation at all. I, 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 but I do think winning in the playoffs is is the ultimate and. You know, I think of, of good teams I played for. We had 119 points one year with no, you know, no, obviously no points for losses or, or that. But, um, and that was a really good team. And I think of how easy that year was to cruise through. Like, you just cruised. They've lost eight games this year. Mm-hmm. And you just think about that. And, you know, I looked at the first half of the year and they lost like 
four. And I thought, wow, what a first half of the year. And then they only lost four in the second half of the year. So, you know, to have 103 points after only playing 62 games, it's a crazy thought. And I, I do think they're for real. I also, when I look at them, think about how many things have to go perfect for this to happen. And, and the kind of good fortune you have to have and Krejci coming back and playing well. And, you know, even the Hall of Zaka trade to fill out that second line, Zaka's been really good for them. And Bergeron to come back. And the guys that were banged up at the start of the year that we didn't even think were coming back, not only come back, come back early and play great. And the Lindholm trade last year that gives them two elite defensemen in their top pairing. And so I, I just, they've had a perfect storm but they've built their perfect storm too. And I think they're that good guys. I really do because they can play any type of game. They can go up and down with you. They can bang with you. They can, they get a little nasty if they have to. Um, they've got all the components and they've got two goalies. I mean, we, we talk about Allmark, but Swayman's he's as good a backup as there is in the league. If mm-hmm. you call him that, I mean, he is. So now you can play Allmark when you want to and, you know, you can get Swayman in there a lot. You've got that backup if anything happens. So from top to bottom, I do think they're that good. And, you know, it's interesting because we obviously watch a ton of hockey. And you focus, you know, I work in sort of the loop of our teams. And the most I do are Toronto, Montreal. and do Ottawa quite often. And I'm involved with Winnipeg. So you watch those teams with a certain focus. But you look at the schedule and, and you pick games. And you'd say, okay, well, i, I got to make sure I find out what's going on in that game tonight or that game. I'm really looking forward to this game tonight between Edmonton and Boston. Like, really looking forward to it. No vested interest. Just watching a really good hockey game. And I want to see how the bigs play for Edmonton. I think Kane's coming back in this game. And, you know, I wasn't all for the Kane signing, but boy, oh boy, he's become a big part of that group. And Ekholm is good. And he's going to be a good addition for them. You mentioned the goaltending with the Bruins, Pooley, and the Buffalo Sabres. Kevin Adams, I think, has done a remarkable job of piecing it together after Eichel left. How much would it suck to look at Allmark and what he's doing? Because you would have to think next year or the year after, that's going to be the last piece they want to put together to be real serious. And you're having a guy that you let go in Boston winning Vesnas. I don't understand that one at all i don't know who made that decision and then i thought okay well okay well let's really dig down on on buffalo and how he was there like he was over 500 as goalie on a really lousy team even and if he sucked O'Pooley, it would still but he didn't it would suck still o. i know but even if he did it would still stink to look at him now and say oh my god we're gonna need a goalie and look how good that guy is and you could buy that if he had really been lousy in Buffalo, but he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, his last year there, I think he was three games over 500, and he had a like a 9.15 or a 9.18 save percentage, and that was a lousy team. And he was 27 years old. And so I don't get it. You know, 6'5", 215 pounds. So nothing to me about that. And you're right. Kevin Adams has done a nice job there, and he's, got out of some difficult situations, the Eichel situation, and they've made good decisions and they've, they've done a nice job there. But man, that one, I, I'm assuming he got advice from someone on that. Oh, because he would have been pretty new in the position, right? When he got in there. And I'm assuming he went to his goalie guy and said, you know, what about this guy? And 
whatever he got, whatever information he got, it wasn't very good. Because <laughs> that's a good goalie, and they're hard to get. Now, you know, his perfect world is this Devin Levi, who he picked up in, uh, I believe, the Reinhardt deal, was a Florida draft pick, the kid that was in the Olympics, uh, or the uh, World Juniors, rather. If he comes through, he's having another good year at Northeastern. If he comes through and, you know, ends up being the guy for them in the future, but, man, I, I don't understand that one at all. Pooley, we talk about certain benchmark games as things coaches will refer back to, both positively and negatively. One of the other things coaches like to look back to is points of adversity throughout the season. And when you look at Boston, like the only thing I can think of is they lost three in a row before the All-Star break. Then they beat the wheels off Toronto going into that break. Like, Do you believe this team has faced enough adversity, or is that maybe a little overrated, that you need to face some adversity before you head into the playoffs? No, I think that team has enough. They have enough street cred. I mean, they've been around long enough, and they've. I mean, they're, they've still got. They've still got a couple of guys that have won the Stanley Cup in 2011. But losing to St. Louis in the finals, there's still a good portion of that team there. Uh, they've been through enough. I don't. I don't think that's an issue. And I also think there's enough caginess in that room when something happens, and a, enough different points. And it's interesting because they're real superstar. Just now, their their biggest superstar doesn't even play on the first line, mm-hmm. and that's David Pasternak. So think about that: who are they matching up against? He gets good matchups, and he's playing with Krejci, where his comfort level is really high. But I think the guy that put them over the top, and as good as all those players are, I think that Hampus Lindholm put them over the top in terms of balance things out, and you know, let guys play ever. in in their role better, and and that's just a flat out good hockey trade last year. And I know it was a trade deadline deal, and he was a UFA, but they signed him right away. Man, he puts them over the top in terms of just having a really good player there. He's a big guy. I mean, uh, he's six foot four. He's a big guy, and, and he's hard to play against. And he was kind of under the radar out there in Anaheim, but that just gave them another piece. And you know, let alone Orlov and and what they added at the trade deadline this year. Uh, Pooley, the Leafs are coming off an impressive win against the Devils, and I know Ryan O'Reilly's out with an injury, but the, a lot of new pieces for Sheldon Keefe to work with. How much is, is now in the end of the regular season about getting your team playing well together, or how much is it playing well for an opponent that is the Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't think you can just focus on the lightning. You've got to play well and you've got to put the pieces together. And, you know, we think we know what the pieces are because we sit and watch them. But Sheldon Keefe's the only guy that really knows what the pieces are and what he envisions. And even on defense, he's got to get his defensive pairs lined up and going. I, I think he's got to get maybe the most important piece right now is Morgan Riley to get him back on track, guys. And the track that, you know, when he's playing his best hockey, then he's been out of sorts a little bit. And, and if you're starting on defense, that's who you're starting with. You know what you're going to get from Giordano, and and um, and, and I think Morgan Riley's the guy. I think you get him straightened out, you get him on on target, you get him back on in sync. The other piece is falling. I got no no issues at all with with um, with Matthews or Marner or Nylander. And I, I think you have a little concern about Tavares with this latest, you know, couple of bangs. Um, but I think he'll be fine too. So it, it's more about the defensive group, and the defensive group for me is led by Morgan Riley. Well, Pooley, as as a coach, I'm sure you know this, but you can only put players in positions to succeed 
it's up to them to do it afterwards, right? And that's been the, the, the struggle here with Morgan Riley, missing so much time, being hurt, trying to get up to speed. And if you look at his ice time, like it's dropped and he's not playing shorthanded minutes and he's not necessarily the matchup guy anymore. Is that the right role for him? Is that what you would do? Is that like how you maximize Morgan Riley now that you have a few more uh, tools to work with on the back end? No, I think you go to Morgan Riley and you have a conversation about when he's been at his best and why he's been at his best. And I would fully assume that that's happening with a veteran like that and a coach in Sheldon Keefe. And when was he at his absolute best? And and who was he playing with at that point? And why did he feel like he was playing at his best? And, you know, th- there's a thing about minutes. And I first learned it in basketball when I was in Philadelphia. And they had a player. He was a sixth man. He was a guy off the bench. His name was Bobby Jones. And 48-minute game in basketball. And Bobby Jones played like 22 minutes. And I said, well, why don't you play him more? And they said, well, it's exactly his number. Mm-hmm. And he did. He was a diabetic, I believe, but um, so there were some health factors. But they said, and he was he won the sixth man like every year in the NBA. And I go, why don't you play him like thirty eight minutes? They said that's not his number. And so there's a number for each guy, and I think Morgan Riley has a number, and it may be a little bit more than less, and and a little bit more responsibility. But you know, I, and maybe even take it back a couple of years. I mean, he had seventy plus points the one year. Like, who was he playing with? How was he at his best? He played every game. Um, 20 goals and 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 try and recreate that form, and and I think that's a very doable thing. Pooley, want to switch sports for a second? Uh, if you're the GM or just an executive of the team, and your player sounds off like Fred Van Vliet did last night on an official, what's your reaction? Uh, bemused, I think. <laughs> I think that's a good word. Are and, you paying the fine for him, Pooley? Uh, <laughs> I might be because I'll tell you what, Nick Nurse does his share with the with the linesmen or the officials rather. He's always going. Do you think he's a factor in it, Pooley? Like the coach, how much he gives it to the refs and he could kind of create that type of angst against the ref? I do. I do. I think you got to be really careful when you're the coach, and I think you got to pick your spots. You can't complain about every call, particularly in basketball, because there's a call on every play, and you just can't. And man, those guys are human, and and you know, I mean, there's a couple guys in the in the NHL right now who who's uh, who's David Quinn got it going with. He's got it going with Gord Dwyer, I believe, right now. Well, Keith and, then, and Wes McCauley seem to always go at it here. Well, and Paul Maurice has his guy, too, that he carried over to a new team. Um, so he, he brought him with him. He apologized to his team, and he goes, this has nothing to do with you. He hasn't liked me for years. Yeah. So, But, man, that's a you can't do that because you're going to need that guy at some point. And, you know, you look down, you, you go into a big playoff game, you look down, that's your guy. Um, Freddie Van Vliet was funny, though. There's no bones about it. And... You know, there was just there was no bones about well, it. Well, spe- speaking like a guy who's gotten it. paid, right? Like he's gotten his well, contract. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't follow it closely enough to know the specific characters he's talking about. I think I know one referee's name right now, and it's Scott Foster. Um, and I know he's always involved, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know the characters that they're talking about well enough. But Freddie said it's like one or two every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. feels that. that that think they're larger than life and can take over the game. And, and, you know, we went through phases when I played where, you know, we did, I think there were officials at certain points that thought the game was that people were there to 
to watch them. And, and I think you do get certain guys like that, but I think they get through it and they mature and, and get to a certain point where they understand it's, uh, it's actually not about them. And the less they're heard of, the better off they are. Pooley, what's a more compelling storyline for you right now? Is it Calgary, Winnipeg in the West, or is it the teams like the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Ottawa in the East vying for that final playoff spot? So I think somebody from below the line in the East gets in. I still know who it is. And, you know, I, I, it may be an Ottawa or Buffalo. I think, I think one of those two gets in. The Islanders have had a good run, but I don't know if they can hang. Um, so, so one of, for me, the Islanders or Pitt are coming out, and I think it's the Islanders. I think somebody's going in. And out West, it's quite, quite interesting because, we, you know, you just mentioned Calgary and Winnipeg. Nashville has a better winning percentage than Calgary. Mm-hmm. Nashville's got four games in hand on Calgary. They're two points wow. back. And because they traded out of it, it's seemingly right, at the deadline, then, you know, they traded Granlin, they traded Janot, they traded Ekholm. And then, but it seems like when there's one team that does that, where the guys get together, they don't have Johansson right now, so they're without Johansson, Ekholm, Janot, uh, and Granlin. <laughs> they're without four guys who, you know, were all good players for them. And, and I think the rest of the guys, and, and some of them, you know, I'm hard-pressed to, to know much about them. And... It seems like they've just kind of got together and they could ride their goalie here. So I think, I'm not sure it's Calgary. I think it might be Nashville that's wow. going to give Winnipeg a run for their money. What a story that would be, being sellers at the deadline and uh, getting getting some assets for those all those names that you listed off and then getting in. Um, quite the, uh, the handoff to Barry Trotz for next year if he's uh, inheriting a playoff team. It could be totally possible. And, you know, Vancouver's played much better under Tockett. They're too far back, but they've played much better under, under Tockett. You just look like the other night, I think, on a given night, I think Vancouver, San Jose, and Chicago all won their games. And, and you're like, okay, don't forget about us. We're still here, <laughs> and we're going to be a pain. And Montreal's been a pain for everybody lately. So it's, uh, it's always fun at this time of year, and it's also annoying when teams that – we're really lousy all year start to play well now and you'd look across them and go where have you been all year like what are you even doing right now they're playing loose yeah. they're playing yeah, with nothing exactly to lose right. yeah uh, nothing to lose tough to evaluate your team too it's like evaluating a baseball team in september that's 10 don't games tell out. don't tell the players that want roster spots for next year that it's tough to evaluate because yeah. those are the guys that are playing hard <laughs> right now and they want to go into that exit meeting and be like all right i'll see you at training camp well, yeah, you're not remember. smart enough to understand that that's a crock of baloney. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, that's the only leg you have to stand on when you're I love guys. that one. You guys that want a roster spot next year, you better step up. <laughs> I used to just shake my head and be like, there is no spot. Oh, yeah. I used to tell, we used to have this little, these a four-team round-robin tournament to start off under Keenan. And, you know, there'd be a black team, an orange team, a white team, and a baby blue team, Okay. In the Flyers jerseys, a baby blue team. And he would give me the baby blue team every year, and I'd have like <laughs> three NHL players. And, and I'd have a 160-pound Gord Murphy who was 18 years old. And I'd, I'd walk in that locker room and I'd say, guys, we're playing for contracts. We win this round, Robin. We are getting contracts, guys. We're going to get contracts. And, and I'd have them over to the house, and we'd win that tournament every single year nice. and i convinced those guys they were getting contracts and hey gordon murphy got a contract he had a career who knew 
There you go. There you have wow. it. Awesome stuff as always, Pooley. Uh, and enjoy the games uh, this week and this weekend. Enjoy the Players Championship. I'm sure you'll have an eye on that. Oh, and... that's on the TV here right now. Don't worry. I'm, I'm keeping track of the course that O dominated. That's right. That is what it's called. The course that O dominated. I love it. Uh, awesome love stuff. It. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Have a great night, guys. Thanks. There you have it. Dave Pullen, our uh, hockey analyst. Giving uh, O a few shout-outs there. Yeah. The course that O has dominated, and you got a job if he ever gets hired with the Seattle Kraken. Coachella Valley. I don't even know what Coachella Valley is, but I know it's in Palm Springs, and I would like to work there. I've never even been there. All I know is there's a crap ton of golf courses. I would love to see you at that music festival too, that Coachella music festival. No, wearing the headbands and stuff. Well, that's where uh, I cannot do crowds. I can't do porta potties. (laughs) I can't do any of it. I can't. I can't. I can't. Well, that's where Indian Wells is being played right now, and they call that tennis paradise. Right. For oh, it's going to be hockey vacation. Well, death row. Why didn't we have? separate vacations we'll go to coachella mm-hmm. you can watch the tennis yep i'll tee it up yep. and we meet for dinner i love it good stuff we got this all planned uh coming up after the break josh lundberg will get his reaction on uh, fred van vliet's comments and the raptors continuing this road trip which has been we knew it was difficult and we knew it was some tough opponents but uh they have found some ways to lose a few of these ones uh, so that's coming up overdrive tsn 1050 and on tsn2